Bible Baptist Church this Sunday morning. Take your song handouts, page number 52, Zion's Hill. Page number 52, Zion's Hill. comes to pray. just wanted to put a prayer request out there and uh, suggest that our church folk will be praying about these things. I know this last Sunday we had uh, canceled service and just did a live stream in the morning uh, due to some COVID things, but just specifically this morning as Brother Harding comes, we want to put a few minutes of prayer here on our pastor and Mrs. Mitchell as well in regards to them getting over as they still continue to battle with some COVID things here and just some of the health things that are going on. If you've had COVID, it's obviously affected everyone a little bit differently, uh, but we do want to lift them up and just that the Lord will see them through in regards to uh, whatever his hand leads and guides. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again for the opportunity to come today and worship you in spirit and truth, Lord. And Lord, we do uh, lift those up at the church that are suffering from COVID, Lord. And Lord, we thank a pastor and sister Lynn, Lord, what a blessing they've been to us, Lord. We pray that you'd uh, comfort them, help them to be able to breathe better, feel better, and just pray that you heal them up as soon as possible, Lord. And Lord, thank you for Sister Anna. Good to see her here today that she's feeling better. Thank you for bringing her back. And 
Lord, there's many, many others in the church, Lord, that uh, are still suffering from COVID or even the after effects of it, Lord. And Lord, you know we're fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord, and we pray that you reach down and touch each one of our church members' bodies, Lord, and their friends and families, Lord. Just pray that you touch them, Lord. And Lord, we once again humbly ask that you would meet with us this morning, Lord. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here that's never trusted you as Savior, Lord. We pray that you talk to their heart this morning, and maybe today would be their day for salvation, Lord. We sure do love you. You sure have been good to us, and we thank you for all you've done for us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, if you take your song hand up, next page. 499, I have a home beyond the river. This is the new song for us. But there's so many verses, we're just going to go ahead and jump right in, all right? So 499, I have a home beyond the river. Here we go. skipped a verse, so if you guys would forgive me, I would really appreciate that. I think we skipped verse number three, so maybe tonight, whoever leads songs, they won't forget it like I did, all right? <laughs> all right, real good. Good to be in church here this morning, and uh, just a few announcements as we keep things uh, moving along here. So uh, there will be no kids' choir tonight, 
So again, as we uh, look forward to uh, Pastor Mrs. Mitchell getting back on their feet, is uh, once we get things, get them back feeling better, then we'll pick the kids' choir back up. So no kids' choir tonight, but there will be service tonight at 6 p.m. So I do look forward to seeing you guys here tonight as well. Now, after the evening service, now, I know Brother Moody mentioned this on uh, Wednesday night, and uh, some th- something should have been posted to Realm either this morning and potentially be getting a text message here as well. But this is for Master Club parents. So after the service tonight is we want is uh, Brother Moody, Brother Beaver, they want to have the Master Kid Master Club's kids come downstairs for about thirty minutes, and we're getting ready for Master Club Regionals. So we want to put a little, little extra practice in, try and do our best. And so for about thirty minutes, right right after the service, just pop downstairs. Now this is primarily for third, fourth, and uh, third through sixth grade, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, and uh, but. First and second graders are also welcome because when you guys go to Master Club Regionals, they have certain things that you guys can do. Maybe you may not be able to compete uh, in some of the team relays, but uh, you can still work in, um, on, on some of your other skills that are down there. So, again, tonight after the evening service, Master Club, uh, downstairs 30 minutes, and try and be on time there, and we won't keep you guys super long, all right? So that's what we want to do after the service tonight. This Wednesday, coming up, our regular 7 p.m. Bible study on Wednesday night. That does have Master's Club as well as the uh, the, the teen youth group there. And then looking forward to next week, Saturday, uh, things as normal there, 12 o'clock. We're going to meet at the uh, KFC and the Verizon parking lot for our street ministry. And then 7 p.m. here at the church will be the ladies' prayer meeting. And then 8 p.m. will be the men's prayer meeting. Now, if you again look down there at the bottom of your handout is... Uh, Again, we've been talking about this. We've been putting some extra prayer on that. But coming up here this next month, March 6th through the 9th, it's going to be a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's going to be our the uh, evangelist Tim Green is going to be here. And so do keep that in prayer. And then also, again, just as a reminder, just mention this too, uh, March 19th, the Master Club Regionals. So I don't think there's any other announcements here. I think we're going to keep things moving. And uh, let's, sing, let's stand and we'll sing together our last song. Page 351, tell it to Jesus. Page 351, tell it to Jesus.
seated. singing. It seemed like our groups are getting better and better, and uh, I enjoy the good music, and I enjoy being here with the people of God today, and I enjoy that we're sort of throttling back on the mask mandates. We want to keep everybody safe, and so um, uh, pastors always encourage folks to do, uh, if, if you're not comfortable uh, without your mask, wear your mask. But we do want to make sure we do all we can to keep folks safe. Well, um, before we get started preaching here, I just wanted to uh, mention something I'd heard. Um, this young young boy was in church with his mother, 
And uh, while they were there, he noticed a big floral display down front, a little bit bigger than this one here. And um, so when the service was over, uh, it happened to be Memorial Day, Memorial Sunday that day. And so he asked his mother, he says, what was, what was with the big flowers down front? And um, uh, his mother told him, says, well, it's in honor of all those who have died in the service. And so the little boy thought a little bit. Then he looked at his mother and said, was that the morning service or the evening service? <laughs> I hope we'll have no fatalities or casualties today. Uh, it's good to see you. Let me ask this as we get started here. How many of you have a favorite verse? Now, the Bible is packed with tremendous verses. But if you were cornered, how many of you would be able to pick out a verse and say, well, this is, this, I like a lot of them, but this is my most favorite verse. If you've got a favorite verse, raise your hand. Several hands shot right up. That's good. Anybody feel bold enough just to say the reference of your verse? I won't ask you to quote it. Anybody want to tell us your, what's your, all right, Chuck? 220? Okay. Somebody else. Miss Penny. Okay. Miss Jessica. Okay. Yes, Miss Rose. Okay. Yes, back there, Miss Naomi. Okay. All right. I saw a lot of hands go up, and I'm glad you've got a a favorite verse, maybe it has a special meaning to you, maybe it's a soul-winning verse, or maybe it's a verse you claim when things are not going well. Um, there's just a lot of things that can be spoken to by the right verse of Scripture. Now, Brother Glenn, we, we try to put a title with every message, so Brother Glenn asked me this morning, what's the, what's the title of your message? And I said, well, that one that says, treat the preacher right. <laughs> I can't remember where that's at. So I fell back on my second favorite one. No, uh, I told him, uh, just call it my favorite verse. Now, I've selected a verse that I've used here before. I've been speaking, but I think it's been basically jolly seniors or, or a meeting like that. Uh, I don't remember doing it in a, in a main service, but, um, for this particular uh, message today, um, I'll give you my uh, the verse I'm going to use as my favorite verse. But in reality, I would have a hard time settling on just one verse uh, as my favorite. But before I tell you the verse, and you'll know what it is, um, as I've read and studied my Bible more and more, um, I'm not saying that to advertise myself as being some Bible scholar, but here's something I have learned. You can read over the same portion of Scripture many times, and the Lord show you something new. Maybe not every time, but as you grow, He'll point out different things to you. And I think what's impressed me a lot over the years now is the depth that's there in the Word of God. And it's kind of like a vein of gold. 
Just when you thought you've gotten the last nugget of gold out of that vein, God will give you something else out of a particular verse of Scripture that you just go, I hadn't seen that before. I have not really thought about that before. And I think that will be true no matter how many times we read a passage or go over a passage, that it will be true that God's got something there for us if we just stay in the book. Now, I brought my Bible up here with me. I'm going to lay it down right here. And I don't want you to say, well, preacher, he never used the Bible at all. I've shared this with several of you uh, from the pulpit over the, over the times that I've had the opportunity to speak is that um, I've gotten where it's hard for my old fingers to turn the pages. This big Bible, I would come closer to being able to find a passage fairly quickly in it. Uh, The pages are easier to turn. But sometimes I can't get the pages to separate. (laughs) And and people I know, they're looking at me and say, he don't know where that's at in the Bible. Shame on him. He all know where it is. The preacher all know where it is in the Bible. Uh, sometimes I lose a book. I still can't remember exactly where Second Hezekiah is at. <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> There's a king called Hezekiah. <laughs> but uh, So what I like to do is on my outline as much as I can, and sometimes I will turn to a reference, I like to print out my scripture. It just makes it easier for me to facilitate my moving through the message if I have the the scripture printed out. So um, the verse that I'm going to be speaking on today is John 3.16. Does that surprise anybody? How many of you raised your hand, John 3.16 was the verse you were thinking about? Anybody? Okay, a few. It's not... uh, it's not as um, uh, well-favored as I thought it might be as a favorite verse. But I'll tell you why. one reason why I've chosen it as my favorite verse. When I came through elementary school, we actually promoted Scripture, the Bible, the things of God. Uh, we even had contests in elementary school where you could earn a week to camp or earn a Bible by memorizing uh, Bible verses. We had a lady who came around and taught with the flannel graph. Her name was Rebecca Knight, Miss Knight. Anybody ever had Miss Knight for a... Okay. Uh, I remember remember her very well. And that was one of my favorite times is when she would come around and teach uh, the Bible with the flannel graph. Now, uh, it was my privilege here several years ago, to be conducting services at Bryan Center when Miss Rebecca Knight uh, was a resident there. And I was able to tell her how much I appreciated what she had done for me because um, I wasn't saved till I was 24. And, as I, and I was churched all that time. But as I look back, I can see how God worked to put a little bit of Scripture here, a little bit of Scripture there, uh, be feeding into me uh, seeds that would later bear fruit. And I'm sure the stories that Miss Rebecca Knight told me, told the class, the Bible stories, um, was part of that seed that was planted. And so I was able to thank her 
for the ministry that she had for many years in the public school uh, doing that. But one of the first verses, if not the first verse that I recall memorizing was John 3.16. And as I said a while ago, we get familiar with a passage of Scripture. We get it where we can say it frontwards or say it backwards or say it standing on our head. Uh, and and yet the meaning of it maybe fades out or maybe it's one of those things where as we read it and meditate on it, we begin to see a greater depth of what's there. So for the next few minutes, and I don't I don't think we'll have anybody die in the morning service. Uh, please cooperate with me on that. <laughs> and we'll see if we can't get you out uh, before the evening service. But what I'm going to do is we're going to look at John 3.16. We're going to break it down. We're just going to, we're just going to dive a little deeper than maybe a casual reading of the verse would allow us to do. So I'm going to read the verse. And then I'm going to go back through it and, and just break down a few things as we go back through uh, the verse. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All right? Let's go back through it. I'm going to take it word and phrases at a time as we go back through it. John 3.16, for God. This God is the God of the Bible. Now, people talk about God. They use God's name and swear words and everything. They take about, uh, they talk about God. And yet, how many of us have a full understanding of the God that's, uh, that uh, is put before us uh, in the Word of God? Let me give you some attributes that we can Defend from the Word of God, certainly. This is not exhaustive, but it's something that will help us to see that the God we're talking about here in John 3, 16 probably has more substance and depth to him than we may have given thought to. First of all, we're talking about the God of the Bible who is a holy God, a holy God. Now, holiness is something that people sometimes today, they kind of shy away from. But let me just say this. I'm going to give you a couple verses with these. God is holy. Isaiah 6.3. And one cried unto another. Now this is talking about heavenly, heavenly beings. You can go back and check these references. Jot them down now. Check them and you'll get more of the context of what's going around them. And said, one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's in Isaiah 6.3. You travel all the way over to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelations Four, eight, and again, you find some creatures involved. Some have said these are perhaps the cherubs or the seraphim. And all. I don't know if I, if I could identify them as those. But it says here in um, Revelation 40, uh, 4, 8, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy. Holy, Lord God Almighty, which is, 
which was and is and is to come. God is holy. God is so holy that in the Old Testament time, the priest dare not go into the Holy of Holies without the required blood or he would be struck dead. Uh, my understanding is that when the high priest went in on the Day of Atonement, they tied a rope around his, his either his waist or his ankle so that if he was struck dead while he was back there in the most holy part of the tabernacle, they could pull him out without somebody going in after him. And that he had bells on his garments so that as he was moving around doing the, performing the service there, if they heard the bells tinkle, they knew he was okay. But if they stopped and didn't start up again, better tug on the rope, get him out of there. But God is holy. Now that right there is a message in itself that we could exhaust for the rest of the service. But I think if we had to zero in on the most important characteristic of God, that would be it. God is holy. Now remember, in looking at John 3.16, we're looking at the God of this verse. He's holy. Alright? God is also loving. And we'll talk about that more as we look at the next phrase of the verse where it says, He so loved the world. But God is loving. And then... This God of John 3, 16, he's omnipotent. I'll give you the three O words together, and then we'll talk a little bit about them individually. The three O words that refer to God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. The word omnipotent means all-powerful. God has all power. Um, He's able to do anything. Able to do anything. And uh, uh, that uh, is probably seen in the creation story as well as any other place in the scriptures. Uh, We find in Genesis 1, chapter 1, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, you can go back, and again, you can read the the story yourself, and you can see all that God did, all that he created during that time slot there in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1. I enjoy reading about that. You know, there's a lot of battles that are going on today, spiritual battles, but um, uh, they play out in our physical world. Uh, there is um, great debate as to how man came about. There's great debate as how creation came about. Many do not want to give God the credit. They do not even want to acknowledge that there is a God. Can I say this to you? Well, before I tell you this, let me ask you this question. Have you ever talked to anybody that Maybe they're not saved, they're not spiritual. But when you start presenting God to them and how that He is the only way to be, uh, to get to heaven, they bring this up. Well, what about all the heathen in Africa? You ever heard that question? 
or that argument? Well, you know what? Um, we're living in a world today that I would say the majority of folks would deny that there is a God. And yet, I'll give you a reading assignment for this afternoon. Go home and read Romans chapter 1. Read Romans chapter 1. And here's what it makes clear in Romans chapter 1. It says in Romans chapter 1 that it's God's creation that makes it clear that there is a God. And it's so clear from creation that there is a God. This stuff couldn't just accidentally happen. There's no way man evolved. Now that's a, a that's a ten hour seminar <laughs> easily, and talking about um, the illogical um, teachings of evolution. Last um, last um, not yesterday, but last Saturday, Saturday before yesterday was Darwin Day. Most of you are familiar with the word Darwin, the name Darwin, Charles Darwin, the one they credit with uh, coming up with the, the theory of evolution. And uh, we go out on Saturdays and we hold up some scripture signs, and we have a variety of signs out there. Uh, and I, there's one I really like, but um, I don't use it all that often because where I stand there out there at Walmart, the car's going... And, you know, uh, if you have a very wordy sign, they're not going to see it. They're not going to see it because they're just going by too fast. So I like the one that says, Jesus saves. You know, uh, Jesus saves. Uh, but I decided to change my M.O. last week, and we got a sign that says, Evolution is a fairy tale for grown-ups. And I love that sign. But I knew out there where I used that, and nobody would be able to see it. Am I shaking my... <laughs> Michael, uh, so I went down to the corner down there out there at the Walmart area and stood there where people come up and, and they got to sit there at the red light if they get stopped by it for a minute at least, you know, till it changes. Then you can stand there and let them read it. And then when the other side stops, you can stand there and let them read it and all. But that's exactly what it is. Evolution is a fairy tale for grown-ups. But you know why people want to cling to that? They do not want to be accountable to a holy God. They don't. And they would much rather believe a fairy tale as to believe the, the truth of Scripture. But Romans chapter 1 makes it clear that God has written into creation a testimony to His existence. That this could not have happened by chance or any other thing other than an intelligent being has his hand in it. And God says that when they reject creation as a testimony that he exists, it says they are without excuse. When man stands before God and tries to say, well, God, I didn't know you existed. I didn't think... You are real. God's going to say, don't give me that. You saw my creation. You knew from that. There was an inner witness, an inner testimony to me being in existence from what I made. I'm not sure. I think it's Psalm 19. 
that says, verse 1, I believe it is. Forgive me if I'm wrong here because I've I've just thought about interjecting that this time. It says, um, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day in the day, utter speech, night in the night, showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So there's your testimony to the whole world right there. There is no speech nor language where the voice of creation is not heard. To at least get people to thinking there must be something beyond just me. Or just the chance that these things came together. We're talking about an omnipotent God. One that can speak the universe into existence. I'm going to move on here in just a minute. But as I read through the creation story there, uh, when it comes down to verse 16, it says this. It says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day. Hmm, what would that be? That's the sun. And the lesser night to rule the night, uh, the lesser light to rule the night. We know what that is. That's the moon. And then the next few words, it's almost as an afterthought. God throws this in the book. Oh, by the way, he made the stars also. I mean, it's just like an afterthought. And yet, again, if we go to science and we see things that we can know is true in science, scientists tell us that there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the beaches of the world. As a matter of fact, they've moved from that statement, there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand. They've moved to the statement that there's more galaxies in the universe, then there are grains of sand. What a great God. This God of John 3, 16, for God, He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Boy, I sure hope God doesn't find out about that. I, I sure hope God didn't see what I did. I'm sure, I hope God didn't know what I thought. Well, he knows everything. Now, that's a negative, and that's plus. Here's the negative. You're not getting away with anything. Here's the plus. God already knows it, so why not come and confess it to him and ask him to deal with it in your life? I could never... Talk to anybody about this. We'll talk to God. He already knows about it. God is holy. God is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, everywhere present. And if I skip this, I got it out of order. I'm going to back up and get it because it's for God. And we've been describing God so loved. That was the next phrase. For God so loved. What I just told you was part of just expressing how great our God is. But one of the great attributes about God is that God is a God of love. Now, 
We use that word love in a way that um, is different from Bible love. Um, how many of you said, boy, I love vanilla ice cream? Or a phrase similar to that. Boy, I love it when my team wins. You know, that is a, a use of the word love that would probably a synonym for that type love, if that's what you're thinking, is the word like. I like vanilla ice cream. I like it with my team. But that's not the love that we're talking about when we say that God is loving. He's holy. He's loving. He cares for people. This love in John 3.16 is a sacrificial love. It's a love that's more interested in giving than taking. Uh, Another word that may be substituted for the word love instead of the word, well, I like something, is the word lust. That young man is trying to talk that young lady into something she has no business getting involved in. He says, I love you. And we What he could say is, really, I I lust for you. I lust for you. That's not what we're talking about here. When we talk about the love of God, we're talking about that attribute of God that is a self-sacrificing love that would rather see the best for others than for self. A mother's love is a love that would come close to that. That mother pours her heart into that child. That mother does things for that child uh, that um, uh, nobody else would probably do if it wasn't their child. Uh, missionaries that leave home, leave family, and go to places where uh, they endure hardships in order pre- to present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to folks. That's a self-sacrificing love. And you could think of others. I could think of others. The love that we find here in John 3, 16, for God so loved is that kind of love. And it's easy to see that's true because what is it that Jesus did on the cross? He was sacrificed for a lost world. Did he have to let those Romans take him and nail him to the cross? Did he have to let those Romans beat him within an inch of his life? He didn't have to. Even when Jesus hung on the cross, as they mocked him and railed on him and they'd spit in his face and they'd whipped him and they'd driven those spikes and his hands and his feet, Jesus said, I could have called 10,000 angels and they would come and they'd deliver me. He didn't need he didn't need to um, call those angels. He could have looked down at that crowd there that was mocking him and said, "Flesh run from their bones," and the flesh would have melted and run to the ground. He didn't do it. He hung on that cross. He took all that abuse, and he did it for you and me. He took our punishment 
So, for God so loved the world. Now, what are we talking about here? When we're talking about the world. Are we talking about the environment? Are we talking about this planet? Well, it's not the physical earth or the environment that we're talking about. Now, let me quickly say this. I'm not for abusing God's creation. But this creation has been under the curse of sin ever since Adam plunged the human race into sin. And it takes a rebirth to deal with Adam's sin in us as humans. And one day God's going to burn up this creation and is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And so this world that we're talking about is not this physical earth or it's not the environment. But this world is the people. And this will be made clear in just a minute, shortly, as we move on down through the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave. True love gives. True love is more about giving than getting. It's more blessed to give than to Receive. Now, I have a selfish nature about me. I like to get. I do. But you know that as the Lord's worked in my life over the years, I found that I get more enjoyment, truly, out of giving than getting. I like to be able to. I like to be able to give somebody a gift. I like to be able to give somebody time. I like to be able to give somebody help that they need when they really need the help. And I can tell you right now, that's not of me. That's of the Lord. That's something the Lord has produced in me through His Spirit that lives inside of me. So that He gave. God's love is a caring sacrificial love that cares more about is what best for others and not what I can get out of this. This love is more, and I've already said this, this love is more about giving than getting. And we've already said, use the word sacrificial, and we've already given um, some examples and in glancing down here, here's one I'm, I, um, I had written down. Um, missionaries, yes, certainly. But you know, a true man of God that fills a pulpit and serves his people, he has a love for his people. I can tell you right now, Pastor Mitchell loves you. He loves you. There are other people here trying to serve this congregation that love you and would sacrifice for you, do sacrifice for you. So, for God so loved the world that He gave. 
love gives. Now, what is it that he gave? He gave his only begotten son. All of those words are important. Some of the Bible versions leave out begotten. He gave his only son. You know what? I'm a son of God. But I'm, di- I'm different from the only begotten son of God. I couldn't die for anybody's sins. I couldn't provide salvation for anybody. Now, I can be used of God to share the gospel that may result in somebody being saved. But God gave his only begotten son. I wrote down here in my notes, there is so much in this phrase that we could spend hours, and I mean that literally, hours studying all that is wrapped up in these words. But what we're talking about when we say his only begotten son, we're talking about the virgin born, God manifest in the flesh, Son of God, Jesus. That's who we're talking about. The virgin born. Oh, I don't believe in that virgin born stuff. I mean, I think Jesus was a good man, a good teacher, but I, I don't believe that stuff. Well, you know what? First of all, the Bible teaches that. Let me give you a couple of verses. Probably the best one, best known one would be Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now I'll say more about that in just a minute as I read another verse. Matthew one twenty three says this Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Again, some of the other versions change that to a young woman. Wow, a young woman's having a baby. Where's the miracle there? Has that ever happened before? <laughs> I think it has. A few billion times it's happened. Um, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. 9, seven fourteen above Isaiah, I said they shall call his name Emmanuel. Look at how the scripture uh, writes a commentary on itself. In this verse here, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. What does the word Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. Why do you think that's so? Because it was God with us. Jesus is God with us. And I'm going to give you another verse here. And we'll move on. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was shown to be in flesh, in the form of flesh, in the body of flesh. 
justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received, uh, received up into glory. God took on a body of flesh. And what we'll see and come to understand is this. If Jesus, if Jesus was not God manifest in the flesh, if he was not born of a virgin, then he came in this world with the same sin nature that you and I inherited from Adam. And he was a sinner just like me. And he couldn't save anybody. It took the perfect, sinless, only begotten Son of God to be a candidate for our Savior. Let me interject this here before I forget it. I may remember and put it in where I want to put it later. But, you know, I made the statement a while ago that I was churched all my life but I wasn't saved the last 24. I'm thankful uh, for my mom and my dad that uh, shortly after I was born, they had me at church. We had a church nursery. Uh, I was there in church. Uh, and um, so I was, I was exposed to a lot of stuff. And before I was saved at the age 24, if you had asked me, do you think God let you into heaven I probably would, I probably, I don't know, because it never happened. I probably would have answered something like this. Well, uh, I think I'm probably okay. Um, I don't beat my wife. And by the way, that's still true. Uh, <laughs> I hope she'll verify that. Uh, I don't beat my wife. Uh, and, and I'm, uh, and then in my mind, I, I I list several I don'ts and then a few I do's. But see, what I was thinking when I said that was that God's got a standard, and he does, and I'll share that with you in a second, that God's got a standard. And I probably slip in to where maybe just barely, but I'm probably in a place where God says, yeah, you could have done better, but come on in. But you know what the Bible teaches is that God's standard is perfect holiness. Perfect holiness. And when I was sharing with you a while ago about God being holy, the Bible says that because God's holy, He expects us to be holy. But He which has called you to be holy, uh, He that has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That's First Peter one fifteen. First Peter one sixteen says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. See, folks get all bent out of shape when you talk about living holy, living righteously, and, Oh, you're just trying to put us under a bunch of rules. No, no God said, Be ye holy, because I'm holy. But listen to me. You could keep every rule that you find in the Bible and it would not produce the holiness that God demands. Do you understand that? That is so important. The day I got saved, I remember it like it was yesterday. When I prayed to God on the way home from work, I said, Dear Jesus, 
I know I'm a sinner. I know my sins have separated me from you. I know I'm going to hell. And I says, I know there's nothing I can do. Nothing to save myself. I believe you died on the cross for me. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. And take me to heaven when I die. You can get distracted by a lot that can cause you to have a wreck. And a lot happened in that split second. But praise God, I didn't have a wreck. I passed from death unto life at 55 miles an hour. It's probably what I was driving in the stretch of road I was on. They tell you how many feet your car will travel (laughs) before that car went another quarter of an inch after I prayed that prayer. I was a child of God. And God imputed to me His Son's righteousness. You say, Brother Terry, are you perfect since you got saved? (laughs) Honey, I know she... I know she wants to jump up and say, yes, he is. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, No, it's more like, what are you talking about? (laughs) It's the imputed righteousness of God that saves me and that I have put to my account. And if Jesus was not a virgin born and he came in this life as a sinner, he couldn't impute any righteousness to me. He needed a savior just like I did. Just like I Just like if you're here today without Jesus, just like you do. Because no man will walk into heaven under his own merits because God said, well, praise God, you were good enough to make it. It's not going to happen. The only begotten Son. That's the virgin born. There's where his sinless perfection came from when he took on that body of flesh. And only one that can do that was God himself, God manifest in the flesh. And that's what he did for you and me. If I was trying to give my favorite Bible verse again, it'd be hard to settle on one. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 would be one of them, right up there at the top of the list. For he, that's God the Father, hath made him, that's God the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. What a verse. What a verse. God took my sins. So I could have his righteousness. I'm going to speed up a little bit here. Somebody might die in the morning service if I don't get moving. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever. Now look. We're talking about whosoever's. Is a cat a whosoever? Is an oak tree a Whosoever. Is the environment a whosoever? Is the world a whosoever? 
It is if you're talking about people. If you're just talking about the natural creation, no, it's not. That whosoever believeth in Him. What does it mean to believe in Him? When you come to that place where you know what the Bible says about us is true, that we're sinners, we're lost, that sin has separated us from God, uh, there is a hell. There is a heaven. Listen, we see a good picture of it in what's going on around us today. Why is it we've been asked to wear a mask, forced to wear a mask? People are going crazy that we might have a particular virus. They don't want you to come in if they're in and you're bringing that virus with you. Can I tell you something? It's not a mask mandate. But God's got a restriction to get into heaven. And that restriction is sin. He won't let you come in. If we, if somebody knew you had the COVID virus, they'd probably be more insistent that you don't come in or that you wear the mask or that you, what. But God says, look. And it's not like he's up there saying, hey, I ain't gonna let you in. You're a thinking sinner. No. Listen, you cannot understand the love of God until you understand the holiness of God. I can't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. Do you know what the cross is about? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That the righteous Son of God took my sin... And not only that, he took my punishment. I just said, you can't understand the love of God. Excuse me. Uh, Yeah, you can't understand the love of God until you understand the holiness of God. When God is so holy that he can't let me into heaven because of what I am, then I begin to see how much you love me. When Jesus said, Father, I can't let Brother Terry go. I can't let him go to hell. Son, I can't let him into heaven with his sin. I know, Father. Would you put his sin on me? Would you punish me for his sin? The pictures we see of the crucifixion usually have Jesus hanging on the cross with a trickle of blood here and a trickle of blood here and maybe a little red spot on the side where the, uh, the spear was, was stuck in. That's not a true picture of the crucifixion. He looked like ground hamburger hanging there on that cross. But listen, what he suffered physically was nothing compared to the other agony he suffered as he bore my sins on the cross that day. Why would he do it? Because he loved me so much. Because he loves you so much. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Perish in a devil's hell. 
God says, nobody has to go there. Nobody can come to heaven like they are. But my son has paid the penalty. And if you'll accept what he's done on your behalf, I will give you his righteousness. Let me ask you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, you're one of those whosoever's. I'm one of those whosoever's. Have you believed in him? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the only way we're going to get there. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? I told you the simple prayer that I prayed when I got saved. It wasn't the prayer. It wasn't the words. It was the faith that Jesus had died for me and the knowledge that I needed a Savior And I believe that Jesus was that Savior and I asked Him to forgive me and save me. That's been a long time ago since I was 24. A day or two anyway. But I'm better aware today of the great gift that God gave me then and how much I needed it then. I have a better understanding of what God did for me and what had to be done for me for me to have eternal life. And we're just about done. <clears throat> we are going to give an invitation. In just a minute, I'm going to ask Miss Anna to come back to the back to the piano there. And um, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna twist anybody's arm. We're not gonna go out and Grab a hold of somebody and try to drag you down the altar. Hey, look, if they get the job done, then probably I'll go ahead and do some of it. But let me just say right now, uh, God already knows all about you. We've already said that. He knows your need. Perhaps you understand a little bit better right now about what your need is. God can't let us into heaven as sinners. But he can take away our sin, make us his child, and say, come on in. So as Miss Anna comes, I'm just going to ask her to, I'm just going to ask her to play, uh, to uh, play through uh, a couple uh, times him just as I am. And if you'd like to just come down to the altar, you don't have to. Or right there where you're seated. If you want to just, you say, Brother Terry, I, I'm, I don't believe I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. Then just tell him that. Just close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. Just from a heart that means it. It's, it's, it's got to be, you've got to mean it. It's confession from the heart that gets the job done. With God. Why not right there where you're at? If you'd like to come on down here to the steps and kneel down, that's fine. I'm going to quit talking here in just another minute or so and give you a chance to do business. But let me just say this.
If you would like to talk to somebody, but you don't want to come down right now, let us know. Get word to us. Call us here at the church. Hang around after the service. Um, We want you to be ministered to and to come to know Jesus, your Savior. And we'd be glad to meet with you one-on-one. But you're going to have to let us know. And you need to make that step one way or the other. We're going to let Miss Anna go ahead and play through maybe another time or two. Those of you that know the Lord, be praying that uh, those who need the Lord would know. May we rejoice, those of us who know the Lord, in the great salvation we have in our great Savior. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to ask Brother Chuck if he'd pray for us to dismiss us here in just a minute. And when he's through praying, you are at liberty to go. And um, hope to see you back this evening. Brother Chuck, would you pray for us? You can stand, please. Amen. Y'all have a good afternoon.